I generally follow rules and I follow steps. And so I was giving them the answer like, well, in order to move up and be promoted, I must complete X, Y, and Z. So Mm -hmm. my goals are X, Y, and Z. And they were helping me see that you don't always have to follow the exact steps to get where you want to go. That's Caroline Hanley, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Cara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Caroline is a ray of sunshine. She's smart, funny, loves reading as much as I do, and is one of my dear friends. In addition to being a great human, she's an incredible account director at one of the most prestigious advertising firms, Mullen Lowe. In this episode, we talk about the power of curiosity, why arts in school matter, and how breaking the so-called rules can lead you to finding the path to discover how to be the best at your own life and business. All that and so much more coming up, but first. Being an entrepreneur or a small business owner is hard, but the good news is it's much easier when you have a coach and a community. The Powerful Ladies online community gives you both. It's where powerful ladies and powerful entrepreneurs from around the world discover clarity, produce results, and experience success at new levels because together we thrive. As a member, you get access to master a new skill for business every month, network, brainstorm, and collaborate with like-minded women, get access to Powerful Ladies events, our library resources, and more. Participate in group coaching and workshops led by a multipreneur business coach. And you get the accountability and inspiration to stay on track and make it happen. Join today at thepowerfulladies.com. It is so nice to see your face. It's so great. I feel like it's been a long time, but then time is really difficult to keep track of nowadays. I'd say it's been a really long time. I I honestly can't remember the last time that I saw you in person. It may have been at the gym. Yeah. Like a year ago though. Like I feel like it's been so long. Was it when we were mermaids? I think so. And that was over a year ago. Yeah. It'll be a year in like April. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I know. That's crazy. Well, and since then, congratulations. You just got engaged. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, Very excited. Something good from this year. Yeah, it was great. Um, Bree told me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, (laughs) And how long had you guys been dating? 13 years. So we were set up um, our high school senior prom um, and we've been together since then. So that's incredible. Quite a long time. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's get into telling everybody um, who you are and what you're up to. Um, All right. Well, I'm Caroline Hanley. Um, I am a fiance, a sister, um, an avid reader and book on tape listener, um, a beginning baker, a um, fitness enthusiast a semi-retired dancer, um, and I work as an account director at Mullen Lowe, um, which is an advertising agency in LA. I love it. 
Yes, and you're just also one of my favorite humans on the planet. So I'm very glad that you're here today. We've been trying to make this episode happen for so long. I've been like, you got to be on. You got to be on. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad that it's working out. Yes, me too. Um, well, let's dive into you and dance because um, I've met you through Brie and mm -hmm. you and Brie met through dancing. Um, what has your dance career been like and how did you get started? Oh my gosh. I feel like it's too much to actually call it a career. Um, but I appreciate that. That's what you are saying. Um, I started probably like a dozen other little girls in ballet class when I was three, um, probably because my parents needed somewhere to put me. Um, but my parents are also very, uh, artsy people. And so I was in music classes. I was in movement classes, dance classes, um, from an early age. And so I did the the Nutcracker with um, Southern California Dance Theater um, was the small studio close by. And my younger sister, Marielle, who's three years younger than I am, she was also part of it. Um, my parents were part of it, which was really awesome. My, uh, my dad was Drosselmeyer in the Nutcracker for a number of years. Um, and I, I love performing and dressing up. Um, so putting all those things together and being on stage where people are clapping and loving it is like just fantastic. Um, and then we moved. And so we stopped going to that ballet class. Um, and instead my mom put actually my sister first in a hip hop class through the city of Lakewood, um, here in Southern California, because my sister was much antsier than I was. I was very like focused and, and could listen and take direction. And my sister could not at that age. She can now. Um, <laughs> and, um, she had so much fun because it's, it's, um, bouncier, brighter, happier, more energetic movement, um, and music. And because my sister was into it, then I got into it. Um, and we did that for a number of years, basically up through middle school. So I abandoned ballet and was just doing hip hop, which is not like actual like street cred hip hop, like real stuff. It was really a lot of bouncing around, a lot of cardio exercise, but still movement to music, which was fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then in high school, I had to choose whether or not I wanted to do PE class or to join the dance program. And obviously I wanted to join the dance program instead of doing PE. Um, and that is really where I fell in love with it. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, um, but I took the summer camps that the teacher taught, um, Mrs. Jones at Los Alamitos, um, high school that she offered. And I think really from there, that's when I fell in love with, with the technique and trying to be better. Um, and I was in that program all four years. I was on the dance team, um, as a sophomore through senior year and it's just so much fun um, because you're listening to you're listening to like great music and you're moving around um, and it there's this really great cathartic feeling for me where it, it really feels like you can become another person um, when you're dancing. You you forget about who is sitting in the room in front of you and you're just focused on moving and making that movement feel as great as possible. Um, so after high school, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo um, for school and joined the dance company there um, and took classes in addition to that. And that was very different. Um, I feel like in, um, in high school, it was all about jazz and lyrical and moving 
energetically, you know, we're high schoolers, so we have endless amounts of energy and we don't get injured very easily. Um, and then in college, it's all about learning how to preserve your body and move smarter and really warm up. And those were things that I really like mentally and physically was not ready to do when I was 18. I wanted to keep moving. Um, and now looking back, I wish I had done that more, but, um, <laughs> at, at the time I just wanted to keep moving more and keep pushing. And that wasn't the mentality of that particular dance company. Um, but I still, still was dancing, still surrounded by a very talented people, got to meet some great friends. Um, but I would come home over the summer breaks, um, and take, uh, classes at, uh, Jimmy DeFore dance studio in Costa Mesa. And that's where, again, from my sister, she had been taking class from Nate Hodges, who was teaching there and at Elevation, uh, dance studios in Long Beach. And so I was taking class with her because I'm just home for the summer and I'm going to do something with my sister. And he took Nate's class and he's fantastic. Um, for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know Nate Hodges, just imagine the happiest, brightest soul and then give him a really macabre um, and dark kind of uh, interest level. And that's Nate. Um, but he's so wonderful. And um, when I was, I was taking his class kind of back and forth over the summers. And as I was getting ready to graduate, he, um, he asked me to be part of his dance company rhetorical. Um, and I just remember I was so over the moon. I got, it was a Facebook message that he had sent me and I was up in college uh, at the time and my roommate was with me and I got the message and I started reading it and kind of got down to the point where he was asking, you know, will you be in my dance company? That sounded just like a proposal. That's not actually what the wording was, <laughs> but, um, I like could, I had to stop reading and make her read it because I was so excited. Um, and so I, I joined the, uh, rhetorical dance company. I started at the very end of 2010, uh, when I moved home after, uh, after graduating. And that's right when they had started, um, a new production of La Bayadere. And it was a, a jazz retake on the classical ballet and, it it was phenomenal. Um, it was the most complex and, um, yeah, most complex, in-depth, talented group of people ever. Um, and being surrounded by so many great and talented dancers just makes you want to be as good as they are, or at least not be the bad person in the back. Um, and that's, that's kind of, um, how I was. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got really close to, to Brie, um, and to Nate and a whole bunch of other people in the company. Cause they're, they're just a family. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and having been someone who's had the pleasure of watching you guys perform, it's a different level of performance. Like it's, you can tell that you guys have a different relationship than people forced to work together or people mm -hmm. who um don't have a relationship like there's such a uh a depth and an easiness to how you guys dance together that it changes how it occurs as a performance mm -hmm. and it's so noticeable yeah oh, that's so great to hear yeah i think that um there's a maturity that comes with dancing like that um mm -hmm. where you're really dancing with the people as people, you know, they're mm -hmm. not just another body on stage with you. You know, if you're partnering with someone, 
that that is Jeremy, um, you know, or that is Brie that you have to catch. Um, mm-hmm. And that really comes through because you don't want to, you know, you don't, you, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to <laughs> let them down. Um, and you want to do, you want to um, make everything as best for yourself mm-hmm. too. For did you audience. ever, did you ever consider dancing as your like day job career? Like as a, how you're making your, your income? I actually, okay. I thought about it, but I never, I never really wanted to do that mm-hmm. because I loved it so much. Um, and it felt like the thing that was my escape from school, from work, um, that I felt as soon as I started to associate a paycheck with it, mm-hmm. I would put so much pressure on myself, um, that it w- I would lose some of the fun. Mm-hmm. And I would lose um, kind of the creativity and the artistry um, because there would be too much pressure. Yeah. So I uh, intentionally didn't didn't pursue that. Sometimes how- I wonder though, what would have happened otherwise? Right. I mean, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you end up in advertising? <laughs> By accident. Um, <laughs> Um, I was an English major in college and didn't know what to do with that degree. Um, my options, what I felt like in, in college, my options were becoming an English teacher, mm-hmm. um, or going into law school. Cause that's typically what people do. Um, and I wasn't really up for either of those things. Um, and so I took an advertising class as, um, like a, it was a free credit, um, mm-hmm kind of thing. And I figured, all right, well, if I have an English degree, I can write really well and advertisements need people to write. So maybe I'll look into kind of that angle of it. And it was a fun class. Um, and I was having actually Thanksgiving dinner with, um, my best friend's family and her uncle, this is a very long winded story. Her uncle (laughs) was a client of an, a small agency in Irvine. Um, and, so, you know, he's asking the whole question, you know, what are you going to do when you graduate? And I'm saying, I don't know, but I'm taking this advertising class. And then he was the one who was like, oh, well, if you're interested, I can introduce you to the owner of the advertising agency that I'm working with because maybe he can give you some advice and tell you what it's like in that industry, mm-hmm. which was a wonderful offer um, for him to help me make that connection. So I met met with the owner um, and just had coffee with him and, um, got to learn a little bit more about what advertising is about. And I loved the thought that it really requires a lot of left brain thinkers and a lot of right brain thinkers collaborating and working together, Mm -hmm. um, because you have to have a creative idea, but then you also have to execute upon it in a way that a layman is going to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a very, a very heavy, uh, psychological layer in there too, where you're, you're really trying to convince people. So I found that very interesting and captivating. Um, and so I met the, he's a co-owner. So I met the partner, um, and they hired me to just work as the receptionist. Um, I was part-time and, um, because they were so small, there were maybe 15 people at the time. Um, I ended up doing more than just answering phones and leading people to conference rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up looking at the work itself, um, whether they were presentation decks or if I sometimes was proofing social media posts, helping to um, find vendors. And so because I started taking on this miscellaneous role, 
I understood more and more about it. Um, and and then there was um, an account director at that agency, Deborah Buxton, um, and she, I think, saw potential in me or saw that I was bored at the front desk and basically <laughs> took me under her wing and was like, I'm going to teach you um, what I know and you're going to help me. And so she got me into the account management department and mm-hmm. that's still what I do now. Um, and that role is really difficult to describe because I, when I say it aloud, it sounds like I don't do anything. Um, but <laughs> which is the farthest from the truth, <laughs> but like, I, I'm not the one that comes up with the creative idea. I'm not the one that outlines the strategy. I'm not the one who technically is producing or filming anything, but I am the main communicator who makes all that stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my primary role is to, uh, communicate and to be the steward for the client whoever that client is, they're typically in the marketing department of their company. And so I have to understand the business side um, of what they're going through and understanding those challenges and then helping to facilitate with the whole rest of our agency team, how we can solve for those business challenges. And so I have to be the glue and the facilitator and the leader and the listener kind of all at the same time. Um, And so from that small agency in Irvine, um, I made connections with different people, moved to um, an agency in LA um, where I got a ton of experience. They were really, really great for me to learn a a shitload from. Um, I I really felt like I grew a lot there. And then most recently, three years ago, um, which is not super recently, but three years ago, moved over to Mullen Low where I am right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I love it. I think specifically because you have to be both right-brained and left-brained at the same time. And even if it's not my primary job to come up with the creative ideas, I have to understand them and figure out how to make them reality. And I think that's what I like so much um, is bringing those things to life. Part of the reason why I think that you and I always have so much fun when we're hanging out together is that I think that our brains actually work very similarly, right? Yeah. Like we, we, love, we love reading. We love learning. We love like doing things, but making mm-hmm. them as fun as possible when we have to do them. Like when we used to work out together, I like would we'd be laughing more than we were working out, I, know. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, we were there like, well, we have to do this. How do we make it fun? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just the idea of like taking something from nothing, right? It's one of those mm-hmm. skills that when people ask what's a superpower, I'm like, I can make something from nothing. Mm-hmm. And oh like, my gosh, what? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, most people don't know how to be like, here's the idea. What do I do with it now? And and the role that you have is so much that role. Like mm-hmm. you are ultimately the producer of the mm-hmm. entire show at the end of the day, even if you're not doing the individual parts. And I think I'm just fascinated by people who think similarly to how I do, because I don't think it's happens often. <laughs> I bump into people like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, that's so very true. And I, I would say the flip side of that is because you have that capacity to think that way and to be creative and and not get roadblocked super mm-hmm. easily. Um, I would say you also, I think you would also have kind of trouble understanding how other people do get roadblocked, how mm-hmm. they, how they can't think that way too. Um, because I know I've run into that sometimes where it's so natural for me to 
call someone and talk through an issue and figure out a solution when that in itself could have stopped someone. Mm-hmm. And really it's, it, it is so second nature. Um, and I, sometimes I find it hard to remember that not everyone has that capacity. Not everyone has had that experience to know mm-hmm. what to do. Um, so it's a, a good reminder. Um, but no, I think our, our brains are so much alike. Yeah. No, and it's, it's, and I also really appreciate people who, um, a pre- like just like good old fashioned, wholesome fun. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. <laughs> that sounds so nerdy saying it out loud, but it's like <laughs> some of my favorite times are just like game nights, which we've done with Brian Nate. And I know that we've done with their own families and there's just, it's, there's so much, if we can be doing something and using our brains and having fun, that's mm-hmm. like my favorite fun. If we mm-hmm. have to, if it's sit around and hang out, I want to poke up my eyeballs most of the time. Like I'm so, I'm such a pain in the ass when it comes to needing mental stimulation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also why like, you know, whether it's physical things or a game or building something, I'm like, what are we doing? Right, right. Yeah. And what's I, next? Yeah. And I have to remember that everyone else is in need of what's next. Mm-hmm. I'm currently taking a... Um, psychotherapeutic yoga teacher training, which is actually incredible because it's brain science with insights into how therapy works, plus a regular on top of yoga teacher training. Highly recommend it. And it actually applies to my job way more than I thought it would because we're doing so much about, uh, as you mentioned before, like the persuasion and Mm -hmm. how you're helping people get from where they are today to where they want to go. And that we're focusing a lot on like anxiety and depression but people get anxiety and depression every day in some capacity, right? So mm-hmm. how does that influence customers and clients and whoever we're working with? But I'm bringing all this up because you're we talking about the doshas of Ayurveda. And I'm reading the the description of, I believe it's the Pitta. And I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Like, I've never had something like describe me in such a capacity where I'm like, this is better than my horoscope. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> But it did speak to like always needing the next thing and like mm-hmm. that. And I think also like the making something from nothing really comes from this determination of like, oh no, this is happening. Like other people were like, oh, maybe it's not supposed to happen. We're like, nope, this is what we decided. I've already chosen. It's happening. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. I think um, we're not of the the school of thought where it's like, you know, if if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. It's like, oh, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I'm intentionally not going to let it happen. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a factor of choice, which yes. is huge in all of that. Mm-hmm. When you look back at eight-year-old self, would mm-hmm. she be dis- um, surprised at anything that you are or aren't doing now? Oh, I think so. My eight-year-old self, I think, uh, was going to either be a librarian or an astronaut. Um, really? Yes, those were always on my list because yes. I loved organizing the books and then yes. reading them all. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would make, um, you remember libraries would have the, the pieces of paper, the tabs that would go inside the inner, inner cover with like the stamped dates for mm-hmm. when they were due back. I would do that to my own home library. Um, my mom got me the date stamp um, and I, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to organize the books by color or by author. And 
um, read them, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then astronauts, I was always, my dad loves space. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he worked at Boeing for a period of time, um, and still consults with them. And so just through his interest and fascination with space, um, and science in general, I always wanted to do that too. But I think that's yeah. so great, you know, um, also thinking about being, being an eight-year-old girl, mm-hmm. um, and not being limited to what you wanted to be. It was like, yeah, of course I can be an astronaut or I could be a librarian. I can do either of those things and mm-hmm. be equally happy, um, and, and thrive in, in each of those scenarios. Yeah. Of course I didn't either, but. Well, you got, still have to choose what you wanted, right? True. True. Yeah. And, and life is not over. So who knows what could be next? <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, there's, I feel like, um, you and I are, are also really lucky in that we both had the exposure to, um, books and TV shows and movies where girls got to choose, mm-hmm. right? Like I always reference like Babysitter's Club and Nancy mm-hmm. Drew and yes. like, well, they can do whatever they want. Like mm-hmm. crying out loud, she's breaking into buildings. I think I can do one for work. <laughs> uh, so, um, just having that exposure of, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to me when I run into people who also don't don't have that exposure, or even had access to those things, but still don't think they can. Which, mm-hmm. as I've told you in the past, it's like the whole origin of powerful ladies. Like, what do you mean you can't? Like who, who said no? Right. Um, and I do have to say that a huge motivator for me is when people say no and not that I like breaking rules, but if somebody tells me something's not possible, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, it is. And now I will show you how (laughs) it's a, it's a challenge where you're saying, you know, all right, perfect. You have outlined the norm for me and I am Mm -hmm. going to prove to you that those, those norms can be broken down. And we can build up something new. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because um, that's that's what we do. We build things. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, with that mindset of like knowing that you could you could choose librarian or astronaut and or dance or whatever it was that you wanted to do. When you look around at the world today, what are what are mm-hmm. things that you get fired up about or frustrated about where you're like you feel cause to, if not taking a direct action into it, you at least, it's something that you are following or having conversations about. That's a great question. Um, I think arts and schools um, is one of those things that gets me because it made such an impact on my own life. And so Mm -hmm. I, I feel very passionately that if I didn't have art in school or out of school, um, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Um, and not just in terms of, you know, if I would have danced or not, it's like, I don't think I would have been an empathetic person. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I would, um, listen in the same way. I don't think I would have the same range of emotions, um, much, much more soft. They're like the soft, deep pieces of me. Um, not just what my talents are. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
I, I think that's pretty big for me. I, I, it's just so important for kids to get the exposure so they know that they have a choice. Um, mm-hmm. Not everyone is meant to be a great singer or to, you know, play the recorder in a fantastic way. Um, but but having those building blocks and getting that exposure, um, I think is so important because it can be a huge outlet um, to, to artists, um, but it's also... It just it give it give it gives you so much depth as a person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's really important. And that kind of goes hand in hand just with education in general. Um, my um, my dad is a professor at Cal State Long Beach, and so education is also one of those things that I think is really important. Um, obviously, not not everyone needs a college degree. Um, I think our our world has changed, and we you don't need to follow those exact steps in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but continuing to learn and be curious about things and, and getting an education, whether it's formal or not, I think that's also really important mm-hmm. um, because being stagnant and being uh, being satisfied with what you have um, isn't going to open up opportunities for you. It, it, you're going to continue to work in the same playing field as what you currently have. Um, but if you have that curiosity and you have that, um, motivation and that drive to expand and try something new, um, that's where, that's where there are new opportunities. And that's where I think there's so much magic, right? Like Mm -hmm. curiosity plus information and then the empowerment behind like, it's okay. Like you can go, you can go figure that out. You can read that. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, that's like the the magic formula of of where anything is possible from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You might know, look at educ like education is such a big deal for for me because of having both been to so many different types and sizes of schools growing up. We moved so much that mm-hmm. I saw what it was like to be in a school where there was like eighty people in your class. And then I saw what it was like to be in a school with seven hundred people in your class and access to lots of activities and sports and access to less and like how it changed and impacted people. And Mm -hmm. it's the, the idea of, you know, knowing, especially in places that are challenged um, economically, Mm -hmm. there's such a, there's so much opportunity to escape mentally and literally and do whatever you want through that channel of education Mm -hmm. and how it's not equal or encouraged or treated like this magical thing in all places, like just breaks my heart. Yeah. I guess in your experiences then, because you, you Mm -hmm. have such a wide variety, Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like that also played a really, um, or I guess how, how did the children's ages um, how were the, how was that impacted? Cause I imagine mm-hmm. being, being younger and not having exposure and then getting it when you're older is going to be different than the opposite. Well, if, so if I think about, and you're asking about like ages to what type of ed- school systems there were and yeah. 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 Well, I'm also a big believer that kids are the smartest humans we have on the planet. Like people are like, we shouldn't let 16-year-olds vote. I'm like, can we just ask five-year-olds to vote? Like, I would be <laughs> pro 10 and under making all political decisions going forward. Because <laughs> um, they just, they choose, 
they choose from their heart, right? Mm -hmm. They choose what will make more people safe and happy and all the things that they want. Yeah. So having seen most kids come into school with so much opportunity ahead of them and what takes it away is it either not being encouraged at school or not being encouraged at home. Mm -hmm. And even kids who I knew being friends with them had challenging home lives. They could still come to school and if they had a great teacher, do great. Like yeah. it could be a sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And then there were other kids who it got double compounded because they didn't have a good home life and then they didn't connect or didn't feel heard from the teachers that they had. Mm -hmm. And it just, they, they double down on it not being worth it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, my experience has been that the smaller the school, even though mm -hmm. you would think like, oh, that's less opportunities for people to have all these different programs. It, because there were less people, it meant that you needed everyone in a different way, where if you wanted to fill, if you wanted to have an art class, you had to get everyone to take the art class. And if you wanted to have a basketball team, you had to get everyone to play the, on the basketball team. And so there's a little bit of like making, coming together and you can't hide the yeah. same way you can in a, in a big school. So I think there's probably a magic number that education <laughs> experts know what that is. <laughs> right. And I'm going to guess from my anthropology background that it has to do with the same number of like what a tribe equals, mm, like 150-ish. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I would guess they're about the same because it has to do with how many people you can remember and connect with and have a relationship with at any time. And I, that's probably, there's a magic formula in there of how to, how to make it work. I think it really, it, it's frustrating to me that so much, so often education becomes about money and about right now versus what we're creating later. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we had um, Cheryl Wilby on recently from Soul Fire Farm. And did you, have you listened to that one? Not yet. Okay. Um, but we talked about how um, nutritious food and mm -hmm. land ownership can change equality. And they're like the simplest things. Like it doesn't require restructuring all these huge complicated systems. It's like, no, give people real food and let them have a farm or let them have a house and things will change. And I feel like education is that same thing. Like it's one of the foundational um, issues versus a symptom. So why don't we just fix that? Yeah. 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 No, that's a really good point. I, um, it feels like it should be so much simpler than what the issue actually is, because as mm -hmm. you said, money, um, money and where the money is coming from and where it's going and how it's being prioritized and if it's being equally distributed or not, um, yeah. all of those complexities, all the, all the politics, um, feels like it's getting in the way of something that I feel like is so fundamental, mm -hmm. um, and, and that everyone deserves to have, you know, a, a strong education. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And, and it sounds like you and I have also had really lucky experiences where we've had parents in the education system who passing on education mattered and, I'm, I know like my parents, or at least my mother was like super involved in, she used to make us do school before we were in school. We had to do <laughs> summer school. Like, I think when she didn't have her outlet to teach, she's like, that's it. You're my students. Let's go. <laughs> um, so 
Um, you know, to, to me, one of the biggest revelations for this year has been, while it feels exhausting and daunting sometimes, it's reminded me that anything we care about, we have to be active in, even to mm-hmm. some capacity. And I think that that's another thing that happens with education where people think, okay, the school's there, like I'm done. Right. And whether you have kids in school or not, like you, we can't say it's done. Like, how do we know it's actually being handled unless mm-hmm. we're either even just voting for people on the school board? Like, it right. doesn't, there's so many ways to, to, to take an action in that direction. And, you know, yeah, right now, like we have to be participating in what matters, mm-hmm. at least us. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's um, such a good observation that you made about quarantine and 2020. Like you really have to go mm-hmm. out of your way to pay attention to the things that, you know, matter to you. Otherwise it's so easy mm-hmm. to just let them fall by the wayside um, because of the physical confinement and, and mentally everyone is so, I think, tapped out on a lot of things. Yes. Um, you have to you have to realize what matters and then pursue that, which I think has been actually very um, freeing for me personally. It's been nice that mm-hmm. I've been able to let go of the things that don't matter that I was yeah. holding on to because of appearances or out of habit um, and realizing what does matter and what is important and, and figuring out how to make an impact, um, in that way. Do you feel like you've kind of reconnected with who you are this year as a result of being stuck with yourself? (laughs) In in some ways. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. in other ways, I feel like at the same time, I don't know, I don't know who I am. Um, yeah. And what I want to be, because there are, it's kind of that, uh, the deconstruction before the reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and and right now I feel like I'm a little in pieces. I'm in transition, I would say, yeah. in figuring out um, what the next, well, like what the next uh, reiteration of myself I'm really going to be. Mm-hmm. But it, it has been, um, there's a lot of self-reflection. There's a lot of... Um, feeling limited. There's a lot of feeling limitless. Um, it, it really is kind of all of those things in a single day. Sometimes it, I I find that so profound of how by the sake of taking away the, the routines that we had Mm -hmm. that I, I have felt more emotions this year than I think I have in a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're so true, like all the, you can have all the feelings in one day or in one hour based on what's happening. And it's, yeah, it really, it feels, I keep, I've been referencing it quite a bit of how it feels that we've done in one year, what what would take a decade, mm-hmm. both what we've had to learn and adjust to. And we've like, everyone's leveled up like over and over and over again. Cause mm-hmm. there's been so many, just when you think that this year is like, oh, we got this. That it's like, <laughs> just kidding, right? Something else. Yeah. Something you have passed to level three. Congratulations. <laughs> right. You're like, no, I didn't want to go to level three yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I need a breather. I need a little bit of a break. Yes. Um, with In that space, when you think about powerful and ladies as words, mm-hmm. separately mm-hmm. and together, what mm-hmm. do they mean to you? Hmm. So the word ladies... My first thought is, you know, being a old bookish person, I'm, it makes me think of, you know, like Jane Austen, mm-hmm. ladies, um, Downton Abbey, one of my favorite shows, um, really 
you know, the, the rich upper class. Um, but obviously there's, there's so much more to it than that, but that, that's, I think one definition, um, fun. Um, ladies are always fun. Um, powerful, powerful, I think can be, um, obviously like there's imagery of like lions and strength and, and, um, not letting, uh, being the, being like the captain of the guard who, you know, can, Mm -hmm. um, overcome, um, challenges. But I feel like at least for myself, I have found people to be most powerful and impactful when they have a more subtle, um, approach. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like my, my grandmother, for example, is, is not someone who I would say is physically powerful. Um, she's 91 years old, so, you know, there's only so much you can do. Um, but she is the person who holds the family together. She's the one who calls everyone every single day. Um, she is the one that motivates people to do better. She is the one who gives quiet, small reprimands when they're needed. <laughs> um, and and to me, that's very powerful. Um, I think because it's impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would say that that association is probably uh, most significant for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then together, powerful ladies, um, well, first ladies being plural, like having that whole community and, um, the collaboration that comes with that, just really, as you said, like, um, having a tribe to Mm -hmm. rely on, um, and people to be inspired by, um, and, and people to mentor, um, I think is really, really great. Um, and obviously the association of powerful ladies is something that I always make with you. Um, because I feel like I've, I remember hearing you talk about powerful ladies, like basically from the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, and to watch it grow into the empire that you have now is so wonderful. Well, it's very nice of you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, and you mentioned the plurality, um, what have the women in your life meant to you and how have they helped you get to where you are today? Mm, they mean so much. Um, and I feel like there are so many people who have played a significant role. Um, even if that significant role is for a short period of time, um, you know, it can be someone, I, um, I have a, a first grade teacher who was, very strict. Um, but, um, always would push her students to do their best. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I had a coworker who I remember one time asked me, you know, what, what are your, what are your goals? What are your ambitions? And I remember giving a very like canned answer, um, of, you know, I want ownership of blah, blah, blah. And I want to have a better relationship. And they're like, no, 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 you want to be the best. Um, and that, that, flip of mentality really made a big impact on me too. Um, Can we talk about that for a second? I think that's really important. Yeah. So when you say, when someone said to you, you want to be the best, Mm -hmm. where were they saying that from? And what did you make that mean when you, when you heard it? Um, I think they were observing in me what I 
couldn't recognize myself. Um, Mm -hmm. but they were seeing that I, I generally follow rules and I follow steps. And so I was giving them the answer like, well, in order to move up and be promoted, I must complete X, Y, and Z. So Mm -hmm. my goals are X, Y, and Z. And they were helping me see that you don't always have to follow the exact steps to get where you want to go. And Mm -hmm. if you know what you want to do, then there are so many ways to get there and so many um, so many avenues and so many opportunities that you can take a hold of mm-hmm. and make that change. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier where, um, you know, I didn't always think that way. I didn't always have that same mm-hmm. ambition. And, and um, that person was really pivotal in, mm-hmm. in helping me understand that um, I could do so much more. Um, and I, I took their comment as as saying like, oh, I can do so much more. I mm-hmm. I don't need to follow the same mold. Um, I can, um, and that will that will help me progress. But I have to have something larger to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's something that I still think about every once in a while. If I feel like I'm not doing the best that I can be um, on a, any given day, um, it's something that I reflect on. Where it's like, okay, I how can I be the best? Because the best doesn't always mean checking three boxes. It, it, mm-hmm. it sometimes means something so much more. And do you evaluate your, just your career or do you evaluate all the parts of your life by asking questions like that? At, like all aspects of my yeah. life at different times, um, all at once would be a little overwhelming. Um, <laughs> but um I feel like that's something if, um, if I'm having an argument, um, Mm -hmm. and I often will be the one who overreacts or gets more emotional. Um, I, I try and stop and think like, okay, if, how am I reacting? Like trying to, trying to look at it, um, objectively Mm -hmm. and see how can I be the best partner, the best sister, the best daughter, the best coworker in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, and oftentimes that requires for me to apologize, um, and listen to the other person and try and resolve the, whatever the issue was. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just trying to figure out how can I be the best and the best means different things, you know, different things in different scenarios, um, whether it's work or personal life. Um, and also depending on like on the situation where, Mm -hmm. you know, being, um, I entirely lost my train of thought and like trying to define, (laughs) trying to define the best is difficult because I feel like it, it changes so often. There's no one way to be the best. I totally um, agree. Right. It's just, yeah. it's just a marker. It's, it's a check-in question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I, I, I love that you, um, that we're using the, the phrase the best. Cause I think mm-hmm. so often people get uncomfortable saying they want to be the best or how can I be the best? Because mm-hmm. we put it into the space of being competitive or someone having less than like, if mm-hmm. we're the best, you can't be the best. And mm-hmm. That's not at all what I hear and what you're sharing right now. And I think it's really important to point that out because I think it's so powerful to ask yourself, am I being the best that I can be? Am I 
am I, whatever we're doing, Mm -hmm. are we doing it just because it's something to pass the time? Or is it something because we really want to have mastery in it and, and feel confident in it? And there's so many people that come to me and, and it, what the coaching is required comes down to confidence. And there's, I, you can't coach people to have drive and there's this, there's this piece of like, do you want to be the best? Like, do you want to surprise yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go, go see how far you can push it. If you play, I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. Just see, like, cause you don't, you can win and be a good, have good sportsmanship. You don't need to step on people along the way. Right. Um, but go see how far you can push it. It's being competitive with yourself. I think mm-hmm. more than with the person next to you, because you're right. You don't, you don't really want to step on other people in order to climb to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but but um, challenging yourself and being competitive, um, and as you said, be the how can I be the best that I can be? What's my best? I mm-hmm. think is um, a good way to think about it because then you're 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 just trying to make yourself better, um, and you're usually doing it for yourself and for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like leading by example is also important. So if, if you're pushing yourself to be the best, you're going to inspire someone else. Um, and, and that, you know, you never know how much of a powerful and impactful moment that can be on someone else's life. And it's all about, you know, sharing that inspiration, but I can, um, I would say you, you mentioned that it's hard to coach someone to have drive. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like you're also really good at helping people find the thing that drives them. Um, and that's something that I've noticed about you. It's, it's not just about helping people, um, figure out the logistics of like what to do next, but you, you ask really good questions and bring up really good conversation topics that kind of helps those people find that spark, um, Mm -hmm. that will, uh, give them drive and motivation to, to do their best. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a perfect segue to what are the things that, what motivates you to be your best? Like when you look at what is it that, that lights your fire other than personal competition? Like what else is it like, um, what's the why behind the, the choices that you're making and what you're creating next? Uh, the people are the people like in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to be the best for, for Cody, um, my fiance. I want to be the best for my sister. Um, so she has a role model to look up to. I want to be the best for my friends because I think they're the best. Um, and you always want to reciprocate that Mm -hmm. for them. Um, I want to be the best, um, for my coworkers so Mm -hmm. that they have someone who they can trust and rely on, um, and someone who can mentor them. and yeah, it's, it's the people I love, um, yep. being able to see how my role is kind of reflected in, in, in their actions, um, and, uh, how it makes that impact. I think that's, yeah, that's the best. Well, and it brings me back to what you're, we started talking about in regards to dance and how you didn't want to be the one at the back. You didn't want to be the one weighing everyone down. Mm-hmm. and it's this, that's a huge motivator for me, especially when I, I never dance, but playing lots of team sports, it's the same thing. Like you realize what a contribution you are mm-hmm. 
or if not, if you don't use the word contribution, you know, the impact you have. Right. And you don't want the impact to be bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> when we were at, when I was at Reebok, um, my wall buddy, Stephanie, and I, we were divided by a partition with our cubicles, uh-huh. but we worked on, we were, um, in peers, like doing the same job role, but for different categories. And we did a lot of data entry in this job. We were project managers for apparel and we, every week, there'd be this list that would come out if any of the data was incorrect, like it wasn't working somewhere mm. else. Mm-hmm. And we were, she and I are both competitive people anyway, but we'd be like, <laughs> we cannot be on the loser list. That's what we called it. <laughs> and the list would come out. And if you were on it, you were like, shit. And like, you would go and fix it right away. Cause you're like, this has got to go away. Um, but like, and if we weren't on it, it was like, okay, phew, we can, right. we can keep going. But I really relate. It sounds so horrible. I'm sure there's a therapist that would scold me for using this term <laughs> loser list, but it it really did motivate you to be like, no, I'm going to get my shit done, do it correctly. Cause if I don't, that means somebody else has to work until mm-hmm. who knows what on a Friday. And I don't want that to be the impact that I'm making. Right. Um, and as you, so many places I've worked, if, if the, if the group is operating at a high level, it really is this all boats rise. So mm-hmm. If we're all pushing ourselves individually, not to the the point of like having a mental breakdown, but if we're all committed to rising and moving forward, that's also another place where I think magic happens. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you see in the results that get produced at work and also what you've seen in dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you have everyone who's working towards the same goal mm-hmm. and when all of those people understand what their role is to get you to that goal, that Mm -hmm. really is where the magic happens. And to have a team like that, um, it makes all the difference because that's when you can have fun too. Um, You're not as stressed about worrying if you're doing something right or doing something wrong, or is it the right decision? You probably think those things anyways, but um, when you know your goal and you can rely on the people around you to like kind Mm -hmm. of check you, you know, if it's like, hey, that doesn't make sense, then, um, then, you know, you're working towards, uh, achieving that thing together. And that's, I think when the success, the show, the commercial, when everything feels so much, um, so much sweeter yeah, because you really cross that finish line as a team. So cliche, but that really is what it feels Mm -hmm. like. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, when, uh, there were a couple of rhetorical shows where it really was, a very collaborative effort. You know, everyone is building sets together um, and everyone is, is pulling their own, their own weight, I guess, because mm-hmm. everyone wants it to be a success. Um, and that's also the camaraderie that you have amongst people that you um, spend a lot of time with, mm-hmm. um, open up to um, and work hard with. Um, and when you, most people, when they think of advertising, they have lots of ideas, right? They think either Mad Men or they think um, they think good things, they think bad things. Um, I have I've crossed paths with lots of advertising agencies with the brands I've worked at. Um, it's definitely a place that can be competitive and creative, and there's so many personalities. So mm-hmm. when you you know the fact that you're able to even bring all those people together is like a small miracle every project i imagine <laughs> yeah because you have a different combination of personalities each 
each time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so dependent on the clients as well, actually. And I, I really don't know if clients understand how much of an impact they make on the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they're stressed and they, and they push that stress onto the agency team, then we are working under that stressful pressure and that's, Mm -hmm. it impacts the, the end result. Um, but yeah, it's a lot to deal with some days more than others. Um, but usually I'm lucky enough to work on, um, on one client where we have kind of main, main leads who are consistent across all the projects. And then you have other individuals that kind of come in and out Mm -hmm. depending on, um, on what the, project is and what the specialty that's required. Um, so when you have, we have kind of three main people who are always, we're the stabilizers, I think in everything. Um, and if we're all on the same page, then we can help keep the whole team on the same page with, which is really key. Um, Mm -hmm. especially when people are working on a bunch of different projects and schedules are erratic, um, and things just change. So quickly. Um, I think especially this past year, um, brands had to be very reactive, um, with, to COVID. And, um, a lot of times it it was very difficult, especially at the beginning to understand what the right message was going to be to, to say, Mm -hmm. um, for each brand in their different scenarios. And so, um, having, having my counterparts, my creative, my strategic counterparts who I could trust and rely on was, so needed um, when everything else was always in flux. Mm-hmm. Well, and and being on a similar path this year, right? Of like, well, you're pivoting all of your brands. I'm pivoting all my clients plus mm-hmm. their, my own brands. And it felt like every time we got clear on what messaging might be safe, we had to throw it away and start yep. over again. I think it it really was about prioritizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and And as you said, like, you kind of you have to make a choice early enough in advance that you can be thoughtful in what you are saying and what you're creating. Because I mm-hmm. think the the worst thing would be to say like, oh my gosh, we have to say something about Black Lives Matter right now, but it would be so cobbled together and thoughtless that it is then disrespectful and not mm-hmm. and not helping um, the cause because you're not really putting enough thought into into that message and into that mm-hmm. craft. Um, so prioritizing delegating. Um, was also really important uh, when we were speaking with the clients. We would um, we would have conversations where the agency would take on some messaging that was going to be a little bit more like longer term. We knew um, this is eventually what we're going to be saying. We just don't know mm-hmm. exactly when. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the clients team would take on some of the more day to day quick reaction kind yeah. of things. And I think that was also really helpful just to understand who was focusing on what, Mm -hmm. um, so that you just are, are able to stay, stay in your lane in a way, in, in a constructive way, um, where you're not, you're not worrying about things that you don't need to. Um, so I think that was really, that was really key. And then, um, just asking people how they're doing on a daily basis was also something that I started to do, Mm -hmm. um, with my own team and with the clients, because you don't know how, how everyone's emotions were affecting them, mm-hmm. um, each hour, let alone each day. Yeah. So I think that was also helpful to just to have an open space where people could, could say, you know, I'm going to take this call with my camera off, um, and yeah. giving them the space to do that because that also helps 
the work um, at the end of the day, if each individual feels safe enough to to live in whatever emotion that they're feeling Mm -hmm. um, rather than trying to strain themselves in terms of stepping up, there was just way too much happening. Um, And I, I feel like that helped everyone feel comfortable um, for, for the work too, to have conversations about the work. Yeah. I mean, business is not without being human, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately it's all humans trying to talk to other humans. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I think it's silly when we try to remove that, too much right and you know having people and then processes and then whatever the results are being being the order really matters because you can't get things done by yourself and if you're forgetting that you're doing all of this to talk to people out there then you forget Mm -hmm. (laughs) about the people as well yeah yeah Mm -hmm. exactly so as we look into what you're creating for what's next for you, like what are your what do you have on your agenda for 2021 or even just what's next? Like what are you excited to be creating and putting together? Um well wedding planning um will be one thing. Um I think that's mm-hmm. something I'm really excited about. Um I don't really know how to get started. Um especially with the pandemic I'd, like mm-hmm. you know usually you have to fit, pick a, a venue and a date and I don't know how to do that right now. Um where people would be able to come. Mm-hmm. But I'm super excited about that. Um still on a personal level Cody and I are looking at moving. Um mm-hmm. so trying to figure out all of the ins and outs of of that. Um and I think next year, I I definitely want to spend more time, I think, uh, figuring out what else I can do. Like that mm-hmm. side hustle that you, that Powerful Ladies always talks about. I want to do that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not dancing on a regular basis anymore, I need to do something for myself. Yeah. Um, I need to have that, that passion project um, that I can put a lot of energy in. And whether that's... Um, whether that I, I dabble in calligraphy. So whether it's something along those lines, if it's something crafty, or if I can find another organization, uh, where my skill set will be applicable, I would love mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but yeah, I think I need to focus on, on feeding, feeding my soul again, um, in a different mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I know it's like, I, I feel like we've all gotten really good at being like homesteaders this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think next year I'm like, (laughs) can we just layer on like engaging with people like in real life? I just want to do that. Like we don't even need to go back to like all things are normal. I just want to layer on a little bit. (laughs) Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a little bit more interaction, um, and a little bit more, um, forward moving action. I think that's also something that people have lacked this year. Cause it feels like we're, as you said, like we're just in this cycle where we have stay at home orders. We don't have stay at home orders. You can go out and support local businesses, but no, you can't. Um, you know, there's yeah. just, there's so much, um, back and forth that it will be nice to feel like we're making some progress, yes. <laughs> um, both in, in terms of COVID, but like in our own lives too. So mm-hmm. I'm looking, looking to find that. Yes. Me too. Connect me. You know people. I do. I do. Um, And then we ask everyone on the podcast where you rank yourself on the Powerful Lady scale. Um, You know, one being average everyday human and 10 being the most powerful lady possible. How would you rank yourself today? And how do you think you rank yourself on average? Today, 
today I feel like uh probably like a seven. I feel like I'm you know it's still morning, still a lot mm-hmm. to still be done. Um and I think on average, on average I I feel like I'm higher, maybe like an eight, eight and a half. Um but uh yeah, feeling pretty good. I like it. What are things that make you feel powerful? Accomplishments. Um, Getting a thank you from people, like acknowledgement that that they're recognizing something that I've done. Um, Doing something that makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. If it's volunteering, if it's... um, talking to an old neighbor for 20 minutes because they need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, checking things off of my to-do list. Yeah. Yes. I know I have my done yeah. list, which I've been doing <laughs> during COVID and it's so much better than a to-do list some days. Like I go back <laughs> and forth. I always have a to-do list because I have to keep track of all the things. Uh-huh. But on days where I'm like, I need to be like, moving my done list changes everything because i record everything i did like oh i showered and got dressed today oh you know i had this meeting that's done that's done that's awesome yeah it's not i stole this idea from marina sturdivant um she one of our podcast guests in the past and she's a powerful ladies community member um but yeah, when you are feeling stuck, a done list can change everything because mm-hmm. you realize like, oh shit, I haven't sat down all day. So I should mm-hmm. have a list of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a wonderful tool to feel like, to feel like you have, uh, to I guess, not to feel like you've accomplished anything, but to realize what you have accomplished throughout mm-hmm. the day. Um, because depending on how you're feeling, showering and getting dressed not something I do every day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so that, that isn't in itself an accomplishment. Yeah. It's like today I am not wearing leggings. Yes. (laughs) Now there's anything wrong with that, but it does change, does change all things. Um, and because we both love books, are there any books that you're reading right now or any books you've read this year that you have totally loved? Oh, um, yes. Always. Um, I loved, uh, a gentleman in Moscow. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Um, it is not an action packed book at all, but it, it is so wonderful. Um, it follows the story of, um, a Russian, um, royalty, um, or some kind of higher upperclassman Mm-hmm. who for political reasons is confined to a single hotel and um while at first it feels like his life is now confined to a single place it actually opens up his life so much more because he gets to know people on a much more intimate level um and kind of the his world is turned upside down where he used to be um upper class and now he's now he's really um he ends up having to work, um, Mm -hmm. at the hotel and his, that whole story was just so wonderful. I loved that. Um, and then a man called Uva, um, by Frederick Beckman, I think, um, Jordan, we might have to double check that. (laughs) Um, 
was also really wonderful about like a, an old grouchy man um, who has new neighbors move in and who entirely changed his life. Um, I loved, loved both of those. And then um, uh, Robert Galbraith's books, um, The Cuckoo's Calling and The Silkworm, um, that series. Um, I haven't read the latest book, um, but it just came out, I think, a month and a half ago or so. Um, so that's on my on my reading to-do list. Those are like mm-hmm. murder mystery thrillers. So Ooh. I'm excited. Yeah. Do you use Goodreads, the app? I I have it, but I haven't um, been very good about using it. Do you find it I, useful? Um, I've been using it since 2006. Okay. So, but I use it really just to track every book I read because... Mm-hmm. The librarian in me wants to know every book I've ever read. <laughs> uh-huh. I heard a story that my like great grandmother read all the books in her like neighborhood library, and wow. I've always been like, "Is that possible?" Like, I remember when I had Sasha Sagan on, and we talked about how sad we are that we know that we will not get to read all the books that are available to us to read because it's like mm-hmm. physically impossible, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. we're sad about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I like keeping track because. Um, similar to your timestamp, I write my name and date in every book. And when people borrow them, I ask them to do the same. So you can like see who's touched a book. Um, so I use it to track it. So mostly it's me putting all the books I've read when I read them. And also they have like the reading goal list every year. Mm -hmm. And my biggest failure last year was that I didn't achieve my reading goal. So this year I was like, that's it. This is absolutely happening. So I've already achieved it. I was like very aggressive. (laughs) But it made me so mad of all the things that happened. I was like, what's like this matters. Reading matters so much to me. I have all these books to read. I didn't even hit my number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the type of being the best that I was talking yes. about earlier. <laughs> um, my chair is totally sunk. Okay. Um, <laughs> with the COVID, there is a shortage of desk supplies. So I'm using yeah. my old chair and my old chair just keeps sinking as I oh. Um, if it makes you feel better, I was um, using a, a camping chair for a while at first, um, mm-hmm. and that did not help my back at all. It was not good. Yeah. I, I recently have moved from being at a counter height desk. Like I was working in our dining space for a while. Mm-hmm. So my legs weren't touching the ground, and that was causing some like hip flexor issues. And so yeah. now I'm moving slowly back into my office, which is why it's like nothing's in here, as you can see on the Zoom. Um. So I can now, my feet are now on the ground, but I sink throughout the day. <laughs> so it's, it's like everything else in COVID. You're like yeah. figuring it out, pasting it together, yep. duct tape. <laughs> um, but no, but so, but Goodreads, I just use for tracking. And you can also, I also use it to list all the books people recommend so I can find oh. them later. So I just use it for, for listing purposes. Yeah. I um, end up using um, Audible kind yep. of for that because I, I like to read physical books, but then also listen. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I usually end up finding them on Audible and saving them like to my wish list mm-hmm. and then using that as my tracker. Yeah. That was good. It took me a while to switch over to listening to books. Um, and I much prefer it when they're educational mm-hmm. than like Moore's novels. Because most of my books tend to be nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And like even... We'll cut this out of the thing, but you can see how I'm like writing oh, all yeah. over this book. I mean, technically, yep. this is a textbook. It's like anatomy, but 
Um, I tend to write in a lot of my books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, used to be pencil, but I gave that up because pencil is hard. (laughs) So, um, so I do like having a book, but, um, the best one I read this year was Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, yes. That one was so, so good. And Educated. Have you done yes. Educated yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Listen to that one because okay. um, the voice changes how you hear the book. Oh, okay. But in love, a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love when you have a good narrator. Um, yeah. Okay. Educated. I will write that one down. Yeah. That one's fascinating. So, yeah. Um. So hold on, I got I got totally sidetracked to start talking to you like a normal conversation. So let me see if want to wrap this up. Um, well, I guess, you know, for for everyone who's listening, right, who hears your story of, you know, having this um, whole, your dance career, having your advertising career and creating a life that's based on you being the best you can for the people in your life that you care about. How can they incorporate some of that into their life? And are there any tips or tricks you recommend um, for, you know, the best practices or rituals that you have that allow you to stay in that space? Hmm. Get enough sleep, I would say. Um, Get enough sleep and exercise so that you feel like physically optimal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think always trying to be kind um, is really key. Uh, One of the things that I learned from actually Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, was sometimes the the best way to be kind is to be clear, even if that means you're saying something um, constructive, um, mm-hmm. but but not positive praise. Um, so being kind um, and being a good listener, because when you listen to people around you, then you'll really, I think understand them better. And that's also how you can figure out how to help them the best, um, Mm -hmm. and how to be, how to be the best version of yourself for that person. Um, you have to make that a reciprocal relationship. Um, it's not just about being the best for you. It's, it's listening and, um, observing, um, the people around you and eat dessert because that just makes you happy. <laughs> it does. It does make you happy. Well, as always, it has been such a pleasure to spend time with you today. Thank you so much for being a guest in the Powerful Ladies podcast. And I can't wait to see you soon and give you a big hug. Oh, I know. I can't wait. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Did you know there are over 40 songs with the name Caroline in them? After this episode, I think we all know why. If you don't have at least a little baby crush on Caroline now, I'm not sure you're a warm-blooded human. (laughs) As always, she is smart, lovely, and being around her reminds me to be better. If you would like to connect, support, or follow Caroline, you can follow her on Instagram at cmhanley. Her Facebook, LinkedIn, and email are all available at thepowerfulladies.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Powerful Ladies podcast. There are so many ways you can get involved and get supported with fellow Powerful Ladies. First, subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. Join the Powerful Ladies Thrive Collective. This is the place where Powerful Ladies connect level up, and learn how to thrive in business and life. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. And of course, visit our website, thepowerfulladies.com. 
I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. You can follow her on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.